is our custom. I want you to type in uh, and just say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Glory to God. I got a little SpongeBob spirit on me today. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we're excited about it. Continuing, we're continuing off where Pastor Josh left off on last Sunday. We're continuing where we were left off last Sunday. And I want to emphasize how important this is. Uh, we're going into the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Uh, we are following the lectionary, uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 11. And we're going uh, in Matthew 11. We're going that way they can see it. We're going. Uh, to deal with a few verses in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, according to the lectionary for, for the season of Advent. Here begins the reading of God's holy and eternal word. Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. I'm not going to read all of the verses, but I do want to walk through the story. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when Jesus and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And verse number four, Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you see and hear. Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Verse number six, and New Revised says, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. Ah, notice now, he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken. Ah, notice he says, a reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses, in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, verse number nine, I say to you more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than these. And now, Father, we thank you for what you are doing and what you are continue to do. We bless you now. Breathe on us. Breathe on us afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I, I want to deal with and I want to wrestle with uh, this particular passage of scripture. I've been wrestling with it literally all week long, and I want to continue to do that uh, in context. I was on the phone last night. This really is a tag team message because uh, I was on the phone last night with my spiritual father, Archbishop Galvin, and we were talking, and uh, he was sharing, and I was sharing, and we were going over and going back and forth through the scriptures as we often do, and even more things were coming as we were sharing and reflecting on this. I want to I want to I want to deal with um, Matthew's gospel here and this particular pericope. I think that it it speaks really to where we are. Uh, it is very difficult sometimes to change. And one of the reasons why change is so difficult is because we get stuck in our comfort zone. Somebody talk to me. And whenever we get stuck in our comfort zones, we think we've arrived. One of the challenges uh, in our present day uh, is the proliferation of a cliche culture, if you will. And what I mean by that is, is that we are oftentimes used to things uh, that we have heard, and we tend to tune them out because we think we know them. And the challenge is when it's time for change, we can miss it because we are being hamstrung and hindered by what we think we know that we really don't know. And I want to I want to argue this morning that there are challenges inherent uh, in our present cultural moment strictly because uh, we are living in a time of increased change. The season of Advent. Advent is about waiting. Everybody type in and say waiting. Advent is about waiting. Advent is also about coming. And it is about the coming of the Lord. There are four weeks historically, let me teach this before I preach this. There are four weeks historically in the season of Advent. Advent is about waiting. Advent is about waiting. You can have, we can put them up, it's fine. Advent is about waiting. Waiting on the Lord. And it is a slow process. And unfortunately, because of the commercialization of Christmas, we tend to go from uh Valentine's Day to Easter bunnies, from Easter bunnies to Mother's Day. From Mother's Day, we don't really celebrate in America or, or in the States Father's Day. So we go from America uh, from Mother's Day. Normally we're heading over to Thanksgiving, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, and then Christmas to Valentine's Day. That's the cycle of the world. But in the cycle of the church, we engage the season of Advent as a time of waiting, waiting on the coming of the Lord. It is symbolic. As a bishop, I have a catechetical responsibility as a chief teacher, and I want to teach this so that there's understanding. Because every few years around Christmas time and around this time, uh, you'll see people posting about why you can't have a tree and why you can't do this and why you can't do that. Just the comments, I was fine. Uh, why we can't do this and why we can't do that and why uh, we can't have this and we can't do that. Uh, and we sometimes hear people proof texting scripture for these things. And I don't want us to be to befall to ignorance just because someone's message or messaging goes viral on social media does not mean it is true and it does not mean it is biblical. I'm going to say that again. Popularity and biblical 
precedents are not synonymous. So just because someone is popular saying something and it goes viral does not mean it lines up with the word of God. Uh, and a lot of times when you live in a soundbite culture like we do, uh, we tend to think that because something sounds good in a moment that it's sound. And there's a difference between something that sounds good uh, and something that is sound doctrine. So Advent is about waiting. It is about an arrival. There are three, then three comings of the Lord. The first coming of the Lord is when Christ came in the scripture contextually into the world. Born of a virgin Mary, as we say in the creed, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was dead, <clears throat> dead, buried, and rose again on the first day. That is the first coming of the Lord. The second coming of the Lord as believers is what we look forward to at the coming of the end of time, understanding that he is coming back. Somebody say he is coming back. And I know we see things in a popular culture that will allude to this, but biblically we understand that there will be a time when time itself will not exist. Uh, there will be a time in which time itself, because time is a fixed thing. It is not an eternal thing. It is a fixed thing. We are in time, but God is not bound by our time. That is why he is able to step in our time and do what only he can do. We understand that as a distinction between chronos time, that is time that can be clocked, that is time that is chronological, and kairos time. I want to flow prophetically this morning. I just want to kind of share uh, with you from the spirit of the Lord. Uh, and, and Kairos time are those supernatural moments when God steps in, when we least expect, and he turns everything around. That is not time that can be tracked. That is time that is supernatural that comes as a result of the spirit of God. There are moments in our lives that everything shifts when God shows up. And I want to preach to somebody this morning and let you know that we are in a moment, a divine opportune time for the spirit of God to break in and break out in our lives. I don't know about you, but I want to encourage someone this morning. Don't lose your expectation. Don't lose your expectation because God desires to do something in you, through you, and with you. I'm going to say that again. God desires to do something in you, through you, and with you. Somebody just say, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Come on, type it in, type it in, do it, Lord. I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody just type in and say, do it, Lord. I believe that God wants to do something fresh, something uh, amazing, something different, something new. And so we have to make sure we don't get stuck in our comfort zones. We don't get stuck in what we used to do. We don't get stuck in the ruts of how we used to do things. We don't get stuck in how things used to be. You know, uh, there's some people who literally live in nostalgia land. Everything is about yesterday. And I want to remind you of this. Uh, and Horace, I want you to hear me. I'm not a spoken word artist, but I want to hone in on this. Yesterday is in the tomb. Tomorrow is in the womb. All we have is the present. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that again. Yesterday is in the tomb. Tomorrow is in the womb. All we have is the present. 
So we have to steward where we are right now. Come on, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. We've got to steward where we are right now because yesterday is in the tomb. It cannot come back. Tomorrow is in the womb. It's not here yet, but we have to steward where we are. And that's why when I look back over my life, and I think things over. I can truly say that I've been blessed. I've got a testimony. Why? Because I understand that God kept me yesterday and he's the God that will keep me tomorrow. And that's why the Bible tells us that he, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because I understand that I have a strength. I have an anchor for the soul. I've got a hope that maketh not a shame. I know that I know that I know that I know that even when my yesterday gets hard and even when my tomorrow seems impossible that God will get me through today because in the words of my grandmother, he's a right now God. And I want to submit to somebody this morning that even when we don't know how we're going to make it, even when we don't know how things are going to be, even when we don't understand why in the world food prices are skyrocketing, everything seems to be going up. And sometimes it looks like the pay stub is not. I want to submit to you today that God has you right where he wants you to be. This word, you, you, this word is for you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, wherever you are on Facebook, wherever you are on YouTube, wherever you are listening to this on podcast, this word is for you. God is going to break in and break out in your life. Even when it feels like nothing is happening, even when it seems like nothing is happening, he is right there. He is right there. He is right there. And the Bible tells us, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible says, now it came to pass. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished, when Jesus had finished what? When he had finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departs from there to teach and to preach. The ministry of Jesus is one that is of teaching and preaching. What is the difference? Teaching is the explanation of how a spiritual principle operates as it does. Preaching is proclamation and demonstration. Let me run that back. Preaching is proclamation and demonstration. It's not just proclaiming it. It is the demonstration of the spirit of God with signs, wonders, and miracles following. It is the foolishness of preaching that brings transformation. And we have so watered down the word today that we don't believe the word has power to change. I want to tell you right now, this word can change your life. Not, not only can it change your life, it will change your life when you surrender to the power of God. One word from God will bring you from where you were to where he calls you to be. One word from God will take you out of poverty and bring you into plenty. One word from God will take you out of mess and into a miracle. One word from God will take you out of trouble and bring you into a testimony. One word from God will move you from worry into worship. One word from God will move you from brokenness to blessedness. One word from God will move you from depression into destiny. One word from God will move you from anger into a Authority. One word from God will move you from chaos into courage. All it takes is the word from God. 
Bible says. Woo, glory to God. I feel something in here today. Hallelujah. Something is getting ready to happen up in here, up in here, up in here. One word from God. The Bible says when Jesus uh, had begun to teach and to preach, teaching and preaching, work together as he's teaching and preaching in their cities. And when John had heard in prison, the ministry of John is on the decline and the ministry of Jesus is ascending. John is the last old covenant prophet. He is the last prophet of the old economy of Israel. John represents the old era. But John has a unique thing. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Pastor Josh, you better push me, man, because I feel like flying today. John has a unique thing that is happening in this particular passage of Scripture. Because unlike Jeremiah, unlike Ezekiel, unlike Isaiah, unlike even back when Noah began to declare, for years it's going to rain, John has a unique assignment because John the baptizer is the only old covenant prophet who prophesies the coming of the Lord and lives to see the Lord come. Woo! So not only does he speak it, but he's also able to see it. <laughs> he's not only able to speak it, but he's also able to see it. And that's why we notice that he began that he has the privilege and the honor of baptizing Jesus in the Jordan. And as he baptizes Jesus in the Jordan, we see a dove that is released. And the Bible says, as the dove is begins and the dove is released, oh, the word of the Lord comes from heaven. Heaven cascades at the moment of baptism. And the dove begins to declare, and the word of the Lord is released. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is heaven's endorsement, heaven's confirmation of what God had begun to do in the beginning that is now being fulfilled in the end. John the baptizer, John the Baptist is the forerunner. John the Baptist is the one that has the responsibility in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. But... Here's the problem. John had the ability to prepare the way for the Lord. But once the Lord arrives, John does not have the ability to shift his season. <laughs> and this is where I want to land. John sends some of his disciples to follow Jesus. But John himself did not become one of the disciples that followed Jesus. John's ministry was coming to an end, but he did not have the ability to understand how to shift in the season that was changing. I want to stand right here in the messy middle of this message, and I want to deal with a subject. The subject this morning is don't miss the shift. Don't miss the shift. Don't miss the shift. It is possible to be prepared, but when the time comes, what you were preparing for, your promise doesn't look like your preparation. <laughs> what do you do when the promise doesn't look like what you prepared for? 
What do you do when God answers your prayer in a way you didn't expect? How do you handle the ambiguity, the challenges of literally seeing God move in your life, but it's happening in a way that is so radically different, you're questioning the very promise God gave you. Notice the text. Verse number two, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and they said unto him, are you the one? Or should we look for another? There were some things we heard we should look for. Uh, historically and biblically, there were two things in particular that they had heard. One was the understanding of the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. The other was that of the righteous king. So John has a perspective of what this king should look like. They're expecting a royal transformation. They're expecting a, a savior to come that's going to tell Rome to get their neck, their, their knee off of their neck. They're expecting a, a, a Roman oppression. They're expecting one to come to stop Roman oppression. They're expecting one that's going to come to literally disrupt the economic, the political, the social climate of that time. But when Jesus arrives, he now looks entirely different from what they were expecting. He no longer looks like that righteous king they were expecting, but he comes riding on a donkey. He no longer looks like that righteous king they were expecting, but he comes as the suffering servant. They saw themselves as the suffering, but Jesus takes the suffering of the world and when he hangs on the cross. So John is conflicted. He knows he's called, but he's confused. Have you ever been called and confused? <laughs> Have you ever been called and confused? Have you ever been in a place in which you know God told you something? But this doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. God, I, I know you said that this would be where, where I would be, but it doesn't look like where I thought I would be. I know you said that I would get through the pandemic, but I didn't know I would go through all of this. I, I feel as if somebody this morning, uh, you're in a place, you're in a place. God says you're in a place in which it looks like it feels like the furniture of your life is being rearranged and you have no control of the placement. But I want to say to you today, don't miss the shift. Notice what happens. Notice what happens. Notice what happens. The Bible says, Jesus answers and says to him, go and tell John. Tell John the things which you hear and you see. Instead of trying to prove it, let the word do the work. Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. Your time is coming to an end, but I want you to know that everything's going to be okay because this is that which was promised. But God's going to do it in a way that looks totally different. And sometimes uh, it almost feels as if we get uh, uh, boldly blindsided. 
Why boldly blindsided? Because we're blindsided boldly by God himself, in which we know he's given us a promise, but we didn't know that the promise was also tied to a pandemic. We know he gave us a promise, but we didn't know the promise was also tied to the problems A, B, and C. We know he gave us a promise, but we didn't know that we'd have to go through this and go through that and go through this and go through that to get to the ultimate place. And I want to say to you today, even in these moments, God is at work. And the Bible says, looks and says the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. What he's saying is literally, what he's saying is, is that I don't want you, that word is scandalon. He's saying, I don't want you to be hindered. I don't want you to stumble because of me. I don't want you to get confused by what you've been seeing because what you've been seeing is different from your assignment. And too many times we are trying to label people based upon where we are. But when you label them, you limit them. And we've got to be very careful about the labels we put on ourselves and the labels others put on us because it's very easy to get confused. John's assignment was in the wilderness, but Jesus was called friend of sinners. John's assignment was in the desert and John was eating wild locusts and honey, but Jesus would sit down and eat meals with those. Why? Because Jesus was not just called to one people. He was called to the entire world. And that's why John's gospel says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He had a greater assignment because he had to free you and I. And therefore he could not be put under the constrictions of the old covenant because the new covenant had arrived. And because the new had arrived, he could not shift with where things were going. I wanna to submit to you that we're on the verge. We're on the verge of a new year. Hallelujah. We're on the verge of a new season. We're on the verge of fresh things and of new things. And if we cannot shift into that, we will be stuck where God was and not where God is. What would have happened if John would have been able to adjust and had followed the very thing he proclaimed? It is possible that he might have been the greatest disciple Jesus had ever had. But because he could not shift, his work had been recognized, but also had to come to an end. And as I close this message, notice in verse number nine, Jesus says, what did you go out to see? Yes, you saw a prophet, but you saw a particular kind of prophet. You did not just see a regular prophet. You saw a particular kind of prophet. What kind of prophet did you see? He said, you saw one that was more than just a prophet. Why? Because he is not just one who's going to proclaim it. He's also living to see it in the same day. And therefore, Jesus then gives a eulogy of John because he knows that John's time has come to an end. And therefore, he represents the last one in the spirit of Elijah that is preparing the way of the Lord. What are you saying, Bishop? What I'm saying is we are in a moment now 
in which God is doing fresh things. God is doing new things. God is doing things in your life that have never been done before and don't even make sense to you. And what I'm saying is don't resist the shift. Type that text that declare that. Don't resist the shift. Let God be God. If I'm talking right and making sense to you, make some noise at me right now. Let God be God. Let God pull that which is not like him out of your life and let him push you into that which he desires for your life. And notice he says, verse 11, assuredly I say unto you, born of woman, there is not risen one greater than John, for he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why is he who is least in the kingdom of heaven greater than he? Because we are now in a new covenant. And in the new covenant, who is least is the one who is great. Which is why Jesus says, the last shall be first. <laughs> and the first shall be last. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. And those who are trampled on in the world are the ones that God raises up to the top. What was God after? God is after hunger and humility. John the Baptist represents hunger. Christ represents humility. And we must hold the two in tension. We must stay hungry for the coming of God. And we must stay humble in the ways of God. I close where I began. The three comings of the Lord. I gave you the first. The coming, the first coming of the Lord is the nativity. When he comes and they see a star in the east. The second coming is when he comes back again. But the third coming is when he comes in our hearts. I don't want you to miss it. The first coming has happened. The second coming is yet to happen. But the third coming happens every day inside you and me. Don't miss this shift. Father, I've done what you told me to do. I've said what you told me to say. Thank you for confirming this word with signs and wonders following. Thank you for touching your people, for healing and delivering. I thank you for what you have said, what you are saying, and what you're continuing to say. We believe and we receive by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to type in, don't miss this shift. As I close this message, I believe that God has spoken. We receive it now in the name of Jesus. If you're not saved out of the ark of safety, we offer Christ to you. He died 2000 years ago for you and I. And he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are saved. Salvation is not a cakewalk. It's not going to be easy but it is worth it. Discipleship is a journey. Our website, globalfirenow.com, we will walk with you. We will stand with you and we will be with you. I want you to give you an opportunity again. If you have not given, don't miss the shift. I want you to sow into this anointing right now. There's several ways that you can do it. Uh, the giving options are on the screen. I want you to sow into this anointing right now. God is moving by his spirit, by his power, and by his anointing. And all we have to do is receive it by faith in Jesus' name. 
You can text, you can text global G L O B A L to five one four zero zero. You can text Cash App, our Cash App dollar sign Global Fire Now. Or you can also give uh via Zelle. Zelle Global Fire Now at gmail.com. And lastly, our website, globalfirenow.com. Allow the Lord to minister to you. I want you to sow, I want you to give, I want you to be obedient. See you again on Tuesday night. Don't forget, you may forget me, but don't forget this word. Don't miss this shift. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May his countenance be with you and may he give you his peace. Global is who we are. Fire is what we bring. Ministry is what we do. In Jesus' name, don't miss. Bless you, Tiffany. Don't miss this shift. I love you. Expect greater. See you soon. In Jesus' name.